through the month of November, we're, we're looking at Proverbs. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go to Spotify or uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever, however you listen to podcasts. We're on most of the main ones. Um, and listen to week one um, about Proverbs, about what it is, what, what is this book of wisdom and, and kind of the foundation of what wisdom is. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about what, it, what, it, what does it take to be a wise guy? Now, I'm not talking about some of you guys that are natural jokesters, and I'm talking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not looking at you, Bill. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's that what does it take? What does the Bible say about being a person that lives in wisdom? Um, I'm going to give you some things that I talked about last week just as kind of a, a beginning to the, the message, but the definition of wisdom, right? This is straight out of the dictionary. This isn't biblical dictionary. This is the dictionary. Um, wisdom says this, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. So in other words, able to uh, rightfully judge the character of people. Good sense, common sense. Wisdom is the accumulated philosophical or scientific learning, intelligence, a wise attitude, belief, or course of action. So wisdom in its entirety, when you look at that definition, it's how we, how we accordingly judge people rightly. It's our common sense, it's intellect, and it's action based off of that collection of, of ideas. I ended last week with this quote from Aristotle. It says this, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act but a habit. Kind of fitting on Veterans Day when you think of veterans and, and military um, and, and anything that is paramilitary, there's always uh, discipline sets the stage for action, right? You don't just wake up one day and, and know how to do something. When I went to the academy, I hated waking up at 5.30 in the morning. I am not a morning person. That is torment to me. It really is. Um, and we'd get up at 5.30 in the morning, and it wasn't like go grab a cup of coffee, you know, shoot the stuff around the water uh, cooler. No, it was like uh, get up and immediately go and work out. And it was like, that's horrible. My brain isn't functioning yet, and you want my body to go do something. And, and at least three days a week, we'd go run a, a mile and a half first thing in the morning. That, that is horrible. I mean, that is torture, okay? Uh, Blake, who's not, uh, he's at work today, he, he texted me this week, and he said, hey, man, we should go run a mile and a half. And I'm like, what? This body doesn't run, okay? I've said it before that if I'm running, you better get in front of me because I'm running from something, okay? Um, but I did. I went and ran a mile and a half with him, and, and I guess it sounds like I'm committed to doing this. I don't know. I don't know what I got myself into. Uh, I need it, but I don't want it. Anybody, like, does that feel, do you feel that? Like, but it's discipline. I hate working out, but when I'm in my seasons of working out and staying fit, I love the byproduct. I don't like working out. You know, there's some people that, oh, I like working out. I'm like, no, you like the product. You're just on a dopamine high of what it looks like. Nobody likes the, the waking up the next morning uh, after leg day and barely being able to get out of bed. Uh, or, or like, I woke up the next morning. I didn't twist my ankle. My ankle was hurting. I'm like, I, I felt like a gimp. <laughs> Bull. But it's excellence, it's a habit. And, and no matter whether it's our, our physical body, our mental, like, it, listen, you have to, how many know that you have to uh, grow that muscle of your brain? 
You know, people that are readers, you, you, you know that you, you learn more, you, you hold on to more the more that you do it. Um, and so everything we do, including our spiritual life, we understand it with our body because we see the byproduct in the mirror. We understand it with our mind because we start to remember things or we're holding uh, intellect and we're holding thought better. But when it comes to our spirit, the, the test of it is our actions and who we are, the, the lifestyle of a godly person is the habit and the action that we see of. I believe wisdom is a habit. Leaning into God's teachings and creating practical daily habits that strengthen us spiritually to live a godly life every day. A lot of times where we get messed up in our spiritual walk is that we, we, we don't do it all the time. So it doesn't become a habit. And so we're hit or miss and we're sporadic with our spiritual muscle. And then wisdom can't be something that we have because we are sporadic in obtaining God's wisdom, his word, and knowing his voice. One of the greatest questions that I think that, that a lot of people always ask is, how do I know God's voice? And, and I can't tell you what it sounds like. I don't, I don't know what God's, I've never had the heavens open up and a booming voice come like Paul or Moses, you know, Scott. I don't know what God sounds like. But I know because of my habits of prayer, because of my habits of being in his word, I know his thoughts from my thoughts. Because typically his thoughts go against what my natural thought would be. Like, you know, ever had that where you're, where you're doing something, you're like, God, what should I do? And then this thought comes up and you're like, wow, that wasn't me. Because really what I would like to do is, that's God. It's his, his voice. But you have, to, you have to train that. The word wisdom, and I said this last week, the, the, the word um, in Hebrew um, is a, an interesting, uh, you know, there's even more squiggly lines, but I couldn't find them uh, when I was typing, but hachma, which it, it means wisdom, right? But I love that, that secondary word that it kind of attaches to it, skillful. In other words, it's not a thought process only. It's thought with action. It's being able to, to, to be able to put to action the things that you're collecting, the, the thoughts that you're uh, understanding. The root word of that means to, to be wise in the mind, in word, and in act. So uh, today we're going to look at some characteristics of a wise guy. We're going to look at the character. What, is it, what does it look like to, to have wisdom in our life? So I want to set kind of a foundation. Uh, Proverbs 3.35 says this. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. So that's kind of like a foundation this morning. The wise inherit honor, but the fools are put to shame. The thing I love about Proverbs is that it's one of those books that you literally could, uh, chapters 10 through 29, just open up and you get little, like, little wisdom statements. Um, and, and so when you look at this, this proverb, what does it take to be wise? To live in a way that people see wisdom in and through your life. The, the wise inherit honor. In other words, when people live with the character, the nature, and the mind of wisdom, or God's word, they are held in honor both by God and by men. That's what the Bible says. That when we, when we live in a way, not just think in a way, not just speak, uh, you know, I get it, you know, uh, I think uh, memorizing scripture or having scripture uh, at least 
in our hearts to where we can quote it in a, a roundabout way is a good thing, right? It, you, should have, uh, you should have some of these scriptures just from reading them in your spirit. Now, it doesn't mean like you have to be able to quote you know, scripture and verse, you know, well, in John 6, da 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 da, da. I, It's kind of funny because I'll have people uh, all the time, all the time, I kid you not, the, you know, where, where in the Bible does it say this? You're a pastor. I love that line. You're a pastor, so like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. I am not a walking Bible. That's not what I am. Uh, I, I, I love the Bible. I love the word of God, but it doesn't mean that I can quote it, you know, scripture, verse, and page. Uh, I am human too, and I have to develop that desire in me. But the reality is, is that wisdom isn't just being able to quote fun little scriptures. And, and why is it that we always like to quote, you know, no matter what somebody's going through, well, don't, don't forget Philippians 4.13, you know, or, or Romans 8, 28, like those are like kind of like go-to scriptures, you know, through Christ, uh, uh, he strengthens me for, you know, and like we go through these, you know, uh, I can, I'm a more than a conqueror in Christ, you know, it's like there's no context, there's no anything, we're not, you know, who cares what 27 and 29 says, we're just going to throw out lovely, you know, platitudes of, of God's scripture. But the reality is, is that texture, our, our context is, is, is so important when we just speak God's word, but having it in us allows us to live it out. It's that wisdom lifestyle, and it honors God in everything that we do. This should be the aim of every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, to live a lifestyle of wisdom. Now, listen, this doesn't mean perfect. This doesn't mean you have it all together. This does not mean that you uh, are the, the epitome of Christianity. It means that I want to live in a way that honors God. I think anybody that loves Jesus, I would hope that that would be our aim. I want to live in a way that honors God. I want to think in a way that honors God. I want to speak in a way that honors God. I want to love my neighbor in a way that honors God. It's a little bit harder than it sounds, right? Because, you know, people are people. <laughs> and they're hard to deal with sometimes. And we're people, and so sometimes we don't want to pick up our word, and sometimes we don't want to pray, and sometimes we don't want to do certain things. And so we have to uh, challenge ourselves and discipline ourselves to inherit the wisdom of God. So what are some of the characteristics of a wise guy? Now, here's, here's the deal. My list today is not an exhaustive list. In other words, this is not the only things in the Bible that says that these are the characters of a wise person. I went through the book of Proverbs and I found some things that I really, really like and think are important for our lives living out wisdom. So the first thing that I want you to understand is that this, is that wise people are hungry for knowledge. They're hungry for knowledge. Proverbs 15, 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge <laughs> while the fool feeds on trash. I would say, maybe it's just because we're living in this day and age, um, I would say there's no bigger uh, paradigm shift in that thought process than probably the last 15 years. With the, with the addition of social media and, and anything at your fingertips. I mean, how many remember, like, 
TGIF right now. I'm really dating myself. Thank God it's Friday. And you'd wait all week to catch your shows. And, and I remember, you know, being, uh, you know, you'd wait all week to catch that show. Or even, even after that, as, a, as an adult, you know, you'd wait till Tuesday for NCIS or uh, whatever your show is, whatever day it came on. And now it just, you just go to Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus and you binge watch until you're like, well, that, that's anticlimactic. But you got that excitement of, oh, it's this day and my show's on and, and I, can, I, can get to, I get to go watch it and catch up. And, and now it's just, we have all this stuff at, the, at our fingertips and, boy, this sounds really bad, but we're kind of getting dumber. Like, as a society, I'm not calling you dumb, I'm saying as a society, <laughs> I watched a stupid reel last night um, yeah, right? It's like, it really don't even have to put stupid in front of it because most reels could def- be defined by that. Um, and sometimes, listen, sometimes I just, you just need to watch them just to shut your brain off and have a good laugh. But this girl is in the hospital with her baby in like the NICU and she's over here doing a TikTok dance. And I'm like, this is the definition of our generation getting stupider. <laughs> your baby is in the NICU and you're over here doing a TikTok dance explaining to people how it's sick. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> That may sound really judgmental, but that's how I felt in the moment. I'm like, what is wrong with us? Can you imagine being at a funeral and being like, this is my grandpa. He's now dead. You know? Like, what is wrong with you? Because we have so much information at our fingertips, and yet we use it in all the wrong ways. We have more ability now to read God's word than any generation ever before, to share God's word in any generation ever before. We have the ability to pour life into uh, uh, people like no other generation before, and instead we use it to try to build our kingdom instead of his. Wisdom says that the wise person is hungry for knowledge. The word knowledge, once again, is in, uh, in its definition means not only head knowledge, but actively knowing how to do something with that. Anybody ever meet somebody so smart, but they didn't know how to actually do anything? What good are they? I'll say this in the spiritual term. <laughs> I'll say this in the spiritual term. It's, uh, I, I, I've, I've heard this my whole Christian life, that you know, there are Christians that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I want to have the nice, this nice blend of wisdom that has this head knowledge, but also has the heart attached to it to want to do something with it, to want to love people, to, to want to not condemn them because I know the truth, but, but to show them God's love because I know the truth, right? John, we read it a couple of weeks ago in John 3, 16 and 17 that, that Jesus says that he did not come to condemn the world, but to set them free, to give them life. So, so knowledge isn't to condemn those that don't have your knowledge. It's to draw people to the heartbeat of God and to do something with it. Wise people are hungry for knowledge, hungry, not just if I have time, but intentional in learning. If I've got time, I'll spend some time with God. How about intentional in spending time with God? Setting an alarm and saying, this is God's time. Even if it's 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be hours on end, but what if you've never had a consistent time, just say, at this time, I'm going to set 10 minutes aside, and I'm going to get into a devotion, and I'm going to spend a little time in prayer. You'll be amazed how 10 minutes will turn to 20, 20 will turn to 30. Your, your hunger for God's word 
will start to, to, to soak in. I, there's, a, there's a scripture in Jeremiah. It's not up there, but um, there's a scripture in Jeremiah where he describes uh, God's word. He says, I have ate it and enjoyed it like honey. It's sweet to my spirit. It's not condemning, but it grows me and it gives me this foundation to live my life because God's word is the power behind how I live. How hungry are you for God's word this morning? That we would draw close to, to him through it. So wise people are hungry for his knowledge. The second thing that, that I uh, found uh, this week as I was studying is that the wise live with the eternity in mind. That, that there is an end and, and there is a, a finalization to our life. Proverbs 15, 24. The path of life leads upward for the wise. They leave the grave behind. I love that. It's not even just that I'm going towards heaven, but I'm leaving death behind me. I'm leaving my old life behind me. I'm leaving the past behind me. I am pushing forward to the call and the purpose of an eternal value in my life. I'm leaving what was once to become who he has called me to be, to leave the grave behind. This benefits them, but also anyone they are around because we point people to God. How many have walked into a room and somebody just lights up that room and you're like, man, when they're missing, you note it. Man, I miss so-and-so because they bring life to this environment. They're so joyful. They're so purposeful. A lot of times they're centered around prayer partner people, like people, you know, we call them prayer warriors in the church, which by the way, is such a silly uh, notion because we should all be prayer warriors, by the way. Um, it, pray, there's a special gift of praying for people and laying hands on people. I absolutely 100% believe that, but I believe that prayer is a muscle, and so you become powerful in prayer when you actually do it often and purposely. And so uh, this, this, this thing that, man, when they walk in the room, the atmosphere shifts. I've said it before that I think a lot of times when it comes to church, we want to come here and we want, you know, heaven to fall down. We want the Holy Spirit to come. And listen, all that is great. And I want that as well. I want God to do miracles. I want the miraculous to happen in our lives. I want marriages to be uh, healed. I want, I want people's bodies to be healed. I want life to come to people that, that are, are feeling like they're on, on the edge of death. I want that. But can I tell you, if it never happens in this room, but we carry that, that spirit with us out there and it happens out there, then that is more important than what happens in this room. It does. The idea that, that the, 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 the spiritual uh, climate has to be based off of an emotional response, you don't see in the Bible. The Bible says that, that the, the, the believers uh, in the New Testament church, they gather daily together. And it wasn't because there was this emotional thing. It was because there was this growing together in wisdom, and then there was this action that would happen. And, and they would get so excited that we spent time together, and we, we did life together, and we, we had a little bit of dinner together, and then we went out. And the next day, I was so excited and so filled up with God that I just had to share it with others. And then I brought them to the meeting. And I brought them to the gathering, not to get them saved, but to show them other people that looked like them. They lived with eternity in mind. We, we live with heaven as the purpose of my life. We ask the question, does this have eternal value? Now, let me pause there and set the kind of the understanding of that. It doesn't mean that we don't get to enjoy non-eternal things. 
I love football. I don't know if it's going to be in heaven. If it is, I'm sure the Cowboys will be the champions, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to, listen, I, 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 can, I, can, I can just make believe whatever my eternity looks like for this moment. I don't know. You know, we, we joke about, uh, I, used to, I used to do wakeboarding back when my bones wouldn't break at uh, the thought of going 20 miles an hour and hitting water. Um, and we would joke about it. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven to wakeboard on the clouds. Who, what? Uh, who knows? I mean, that's just, that's just earthly mindset putting into eternity. I don't know. So we're allowed to enjoy. I don't know if there's going to be motorcycles in heaven, but I hope so. It's fun. But here's the thing is that just because it, it doesn't have eternal value in what you're doing, it doesn't mean that you can't bring eternal value to it. What do I mean by that? I used to ride uh, motorcycles, and, and one Saturday a month, we would get together in California. We had a, a, a Christian group in our church, and anywhere between 10 to 20 motorcycles, we'd get together every uh, first Saturday of the month, and we'd go on a ride together. And we'd meet, and we'd have breakfast, and we'd pray, and then we'd get on our motorcycles, and we'd get to enjoy God's country, and then we'd stop, and we'd eat again. And by the way, it centered around stopping and eating almost all the time. Um, and, and then we'd get home. And it was a great day spent with godly people enjoying something that we all had in common. That's what doing life is. It's doing something that is earthly and putting an eternal mindset and purpose to it. There's no eternal value in school, and all the students said Amen. But you need it. Yeah, see, there, there's the caveat, right? Um, at, least, at least you have to go through the general ed stuff, right? I'm not saying that you have to go to college, but I'm saying that, that you know, you're, by law, you kind of have to do high school. Um, and so is there any eternal value? Are you going to get up to heaven? And, and, and Jesus is like, okay, we're going to be talking about biology. No, because he defined that, and he, he kind of set that in, in the scriptures. But... We can take an earthly thing and give it eternal mindset. I used to have conversations in school about, especially in biology. Well, I did one of two things. I either slept or I had conversations um, in biology. And I, I hate to even say that, but I really did sleep through biology because when, whenever we did evolution, I was like, um, and so I slept. I kid you, I slept. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's bad, bad, bad. Don't sleep in class. Um, I still pass that class. Don't worry. And, uh, but I told my teacher, I said, because by law, and, and they were supposed to give me an alternative, and, and the teacher said, you're going to learn this. And I said, the heck I am, good night. Uh, but I would then, I would have conversations about faith with the other students. As they were learning about evolution, I'd say, well, let me give you an alternative to this. So we live with eternity in mind. The, the third thing that we, we see in the book of Proverbs that have, that wise people have characters. Wise people think before they act. Just let that one sit and, 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 and kind of gain a little bit in our lives. Because we, a lot, uh, listen, we, 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 and I will include me in this we, we like to do and then think. <laughs> How many have, have, have so many times in their life that you've done something and then you go home and you start thinking, you're like, man, I wish I would have handled that differently. I wish I would have said that differently. I wish I would have allowed my emotions to get the best of me. And so part of, of, of learning wisdom in our life is that we think before we act. Proverbs 13, 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And I love this caveat. And even brag about their foolishness. 
How many know somebody, and you don't have to, if, you know, they're, hopefully they're not in the room, but, you know, uh, have ever had somebody in their life where you're like, they do something stupid, and then they like start bragging about it. Yeah, oh man, I, can, I, had, I did this, and da 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 and, you know, I made so much money, and then I went and I blew it on this gigantic gold chocolate candy bar. Like, you know, it's like, what, what in the world? Why, why would you do that? You know, or, or yeah, rah, 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 this person tried to get the best of me and then I pummeled them to the ground and then I laughed at them. You know, I was like, why? I hear people, you know, especially guys, um, bra- you know, they'll, they'll brag about stupids. You know, guys, listen, we do. Um, it's, it's typically like a who's better moment. Oh, uh, look what I did. Or how they treat women or how they, you know, how they handle circumstances. I think, well, no wonder why marriages are failing. Because not only are we fools, but then we brag about it. And the Bible says that wisdom says, I'm going to think before I act. I'm not just going to do. Let me ask you, do you take a breath? Do you pray? Do you think? Do you seek counsel before you act? All of those should come before you act, especially on bigger things. It's okay to say, I'm going to pause and phone a friend. And ask them, hey, man, I'm going through this. This is how I want to respond. What do you think? There's wisdom in that. Well, I don't want people to know my stuff. Better for people to know your stuff and trust them to give you sensible, godly wisdom than to do something and then them to go, "Ah, man, you should have handled it differently. You should have called me. We could have prayed about it. And when that happens, more times than not, I I find that when that happens, when I call or when somebody calls me and we spend some time talking it out and praying about it, that whatever they were going to do or whatever I was going to do typically ends up the opposite of what I will go and do. I'm so mad. I just, I'm going to call them and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. No, don't. Let's pray about it. I'm so mad at my husband or wife because they did this. Okay, let's, let's talk it out so that you can then go and talk it out with them appropriately and righteously? Do we pause? Do we pray? Do we seek wisdom in how we will act to things? Foolish don't, but wise do. Make praying and thinking a part of your daily process of making decisions, how you respond to people and circumstances. Don't just allow your emotions to allow you to make a decision in the heat of the moment. Say, God, what is your will for this? Wise people think before they act. The the next thing kind of goes with it. Wise people stay calm. They don't don't get angry and then make a decision. They don't get uh, flustered and and make a decision. They, They stay calm in the moment so that they can hear God's voice. I'm gonna read three scriptures that have to do kind of all around this. So Proverbs 12, 16, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 16, 21, the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. And Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Faced with adversity, faced with anger, dealing with what I like to call sandpaper people or cactus people, The wise are calm and understanding, and they quietly hold back and use pleasant words. Well, that's just not who I am. That's who you've not allowed yourself to be. 
Remember, wisdom is discipline. And so if wisdom is discipline, then the things that are a part of you that your character is can be changed when you discipline your life to look differently. So if you don't want to be a a certain way anymore, then maybe what you need to do is pause before you say something. Maybe you need to take a step back, take a breath, and pray in that moment. And listen, when when you're dealing with somebody, it's not like, oh, me and Sean are having an argument, and all of a sudden, you know, he starts yelling at me, and I go, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, God, that you would strike down my enemies. (laughs) No. You know, you can have a conversation and pray at the same time. If somebody, if somebody is insulting, you can be like quietly in your spirit, God, I, I pray, give me the right words. Help me not to get angry. Help me not to sock this dude in the face, right? You can be quietly praying in your head while, while you're having this conversation and saying, God, give me wisdom. And sometimes he's going to say, hey, look, quiet, quietly in this conversation and walk away before you say something that you will regret. Sometimes it'll just be say, hey, you know what? Can we put a pause? This is great for marriage, by the way. Um, not listen, and I'm not saying I do it all the time because my butt likes to talk uh, uh, and win. Um, and so, but give you some wisdom that I haven't quite conquered yet. It's sometimes the best thing to do is say, to say, "Hey, can we put a pause on this and come back to it?" When we're not emotionally charged. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we don't. Or hey, let's pray about it. Let's, let, instead of just getting upset and, and making decisions, let's, let's pray about it. Let's put a pause and come back to this when we're, when we're not angry or when we're not in our feels about it. Because wise people stay calm, understanding, and use pleasant words. This is, listen, and this is not a natural characteristic for, I don't think, anybody. I've never met a, a person who has not, like, trained themselves to be this way because it is a godly characteristic. They are learned and trained characteristics of Jesus. It comes with prayer. It comes with spiritual disciplines, reading his word. It comes with accountability, something that we lack so much in our lives because we don't want people in our lives. Can I tell you, accountability is all throughout the Bible. Accountability literally means having somebody who you trust enough to speak truth into you. I've got it. There are people in my life that have full access to say what they need to say to me, and I may not like it, but I will listen. Proverbs 17, 27 says this, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. See, all throughout the Proverbs, it talks about how we use our words and how we use our emotions. And those two things get us in so much trouble. I'm telling you, when we line them up with God's spirit and God's word and God's plan for our life, you will see that you will start to treat people differently. I remember when I came to Jesus and when I started to truly live my life for him as a teenager, people started to say stuff like, you seem different. Like, they don't know how to articulate it. They're just like, something's different about you. And I would be able to use that open door to say, well, let me tell you about the person who radically changed my life and gave me a new life to live. And I would point them to Jesus. And it was that, the the understanding and the knowing how to use my words and and, and train my emotions not to be a robot. I think sometimes we think like, oh, well, you know, don't be emotional, don't be that. Don't, it's not being a robot. I love it when guys say, I don't have emotions. I love when guys say that. Like, do you get angry? Yeah. Yeah. That's an emotion. You get jealous? Yeah. That's an emotion. 
You get sad, oh, don't cry. Whatever. Those, those uh, welcome home video, oh man, I'm so glad nobody watches when I watch those on like Facebook reels because those things will get to me every single time. A soldier coming home or something, oh man, I get tore up over those. Guys, can I tell you that if you're not healthy in all of your emotions, you're really not healthy at all. That does not mean guys are going around holding tissue boxes and <laughs> that's not healthy either. It's a balance. There's a balance of emotions. And, and I will say this, it's, it's not allowing the emotions of our life, guys or girls, to be the dictator of what and how we do things. Emotions are great slaves and horrible masters. And so we've got to learn through wisdom how to, how to hone them in so that we can make the best decisions in, in, in God and in his word. My last two things, the, last, or the second to last one is this. The wise bring healing. This is so important. You look at Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. We should be a healing people. How many have ever said this when you invited somebody to church? Oh, I don't go to church. There's hypocrites there. I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me that or some variation of that. Where else do we want them? Like saying, well, I'm not going to go to your church because there's sinners there. Oh, if not, I'd have an empty room, including me. I wouldn't be here. Hypocrites are, listen, sinners, yeah, we want them. Hypocrites, cheats, yeah, we want them. I'd rather have a bunch of cigarette butts outside on the ground and a lot of people than no people but a clean church. I'd rather have a noisy church with kids than a quiet church with a dying group of people. But what we, what we learn through the process of getting close to God is that we hold the ability because the Bible says that we hold the same spirit that Jesus holds, the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the same healings that he did, both physically and mentally and emotionally, we have the power to speak that into other people's lives. And so our words and our lives carry healing. This should be a house of healing. One of the things that I believe that me and Stephanie were called to Camden for was to help church hurt. That, that where people feel like they've been hurt because of the church, hurt because of, of people that say they love God, hurt because uh, of, of how they've been treated when they walk into church. And can I tell you, that's messy and that's, that's hard because people don't want to talk about it. So our words, they need, to, they need to have wisdom and they need to have healing. Hey, God loves you right where you're at. Doesn't mean that's where he wants you to stay, but let's walk through life together. And walking through life together, it's messy. It's not easy. It's not pretty. It doesn't, have, it doesn't wear the right clothes and say the right things every single day. But it's being in the, in the thick of the battle with somebody when they're going through it, when they're addicted to something or when they're struggling emotionally or maybe when they're just questioning their faith and being able to be there and to be a loving word and a, a, a disciplined voice in their life. 
We should bring people together and not tear them apart. And we need to help people find that freedom and to find that purpose while pointing them to the spirit of God. Wise people build people up and they bring healing. And lastly, and Hannah, you can come up, is that wise people find a wise community. Wise people find a wise community. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. In the New Testament, it says that uh, bad company corrupts good morals. That, That who you hang around will define a lot of who you become. There's an anonymous quote that says this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And I think it's true. You can't be the only believer in your group. You can't have a whole bunch of best friends that don't know Jesus. Because guess what? They will tear you down. And not not even purposely, but because it's just a part of who they are. They want to bring you down to to, to their level of living because they don't want that conviction in their life. So it's good to have non-Christian friends, but the core of who you are, the, the, the people that invest into your life, man, they need to love Jesus. Because the only way you get closer to Jesus and become wise is by putting yourself around people that do the same thing. The things that we struggle with typically is because we're putting ourselves around people that, that, are, that will either pacify us. Oh, it's okay that you do that. God loves everybody. He's okay with it all. How many times have you heard that? Can I tell you that God is both loving and just? He loves you, but he's not okay with sin. The Bible is very clear about that. Now, Just because you sin doesn't mean that he doesn't love you because he understands that we are human and we fail and and, and we make mistakes. And so his justice, his righteousness and the justice of God is covered in the grace and mercy of Jesus as he walks us through what we call sanctification or, or becoming more like him. How do we do that? We find people that are doing it and we do it together. I remember when I came to know Jesus, I was 14, going on 15. I lost all my friends, all of them. Not one wanted to remain my friend when I became a Christian. I don't care who you are, (laughs) that's tough, let alone a teenager who's already trying to figure out what their identity is. And all of my friends, gone. And now I'm going to to youth group and church with some people that I've known, but I I haven't really built life in with them. And, And it would have been really easy to say, God, this is too hard, and I don't want this much change. But I was thankful for the community that gathered, we gathered, listen, we were not perfect. We were knuckleheads. I won't tell you Stephanie's nerd. I'll let you, let her tell you that one day. But like, 
we were not like the good Christian kids. We weren't the kids that grew up in church. <laughs> we were a, like, we were the bad news bears of church, if you're old enough to know what that means. We were the misfits. I remember we were on our way one day, uh, one Friday night for a youth rally. Our youth group was doing a human video, um, which was like a drama to music. Stephanie was supposed to be in it. And uh, I remember my youth pastor getting a call. We were in the van driving up to that city and we got a call and he's, you know, he sounds all serious. He put his pastor voice on, hangs up and he's like, Stephanie will not be with us. She got caught shoplifting. <laughs> this is the people we were. Because our old life still had a hold of us. But you know what that did for her? It made her realize, you know what? I need to cut ties with the people that are holding me back and hold on to the people that aren't. And from that, the friendships that built and the accountability that built and the community that it built, the core people in that group not only all remain Christians today, but we all serve in our churches today. All of us. The core group of that group still serves Jesus today. Why? Because we're special? Nope. It's because we wanted so much of God and we were willing to say, God, the core group of people that we're going to run together, we're going to do this together. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to build each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to encourage one another. And we're going to hold each other accountable. We're not going to tear down and be catty and, and, and try to one-up one another. But we are going to do life together as a wise community. You need a community. A community of wisdom, of purpose, and accountability. So let me ask you as we close this morning, maybe, you know, like I said, it's not an exhaustive list. But maybe there's one of those that I said that, man, you're like, I really need to work on this. Maybe it's how you respond to things. Maybe it's the foundational aspect of, I just need more time with Jesus so that I can build these characters in. I want to encourage you this week. Maybe just to sit and, and ponder that thought. What are the wise characters of God that I need to, to impart into my life? And then chase after them. Chase after the Spirit of God. Chase after a community. That's why life groups are so big to us is because we want you to help find a community. Listen, my, my community, the, the, my life group that I do on Sunday nights, we, we literally watch football together and we do a devotion. That, I mean, listen, it's, we're, we're not running around like, you know, knocking on people's doors like, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus, which is not, there's no problem with that. We literally gather together and we watch football and we talk Jesus. That's it. Jesus can be inserted into any avenue of your life. It, it, it doesn't have to be just a church service or it doesn't have to be worship or it doesn't, like we have created this environment that if we're gonna talk about Jesus, it has to look holy and righteous and, and, and perfect and, and it has to be in a church format. Why can't it be over coffee? Why can't it be at dinner? Why can't it be at a family gathering where you're maybe pouring life into a family member that needs to hear it? Wisdom says, I'm going to first center my life on Jesus and then I'm going to seek the characteristics that grow me close to him and draw others to him. Will you pray with me? God, I know that this is not an exhaustive list. I know this isn't the end of um, the characteristics of your spirit when it pertains to wisdom. 
But God, your word is very clear that in order to have wisdom, we first must collect the thought process of your word and of your nature. You've given us the Bible to, to specifically speak to us through that so that we may build intellectually and spiritually a foundation of your will for us and that we would draw close to you. So God, I pray today that maybe that's the foundational aspect where some of us are at, that we need to just spend more time being hungry for your will and your word in our lives. And then from that, these other characteristics, that as we allow your spirit to speak over us and, and pour into us, that, that how we speak to people, what we say, how we think, and then how we act, all starts to line up with your word. God, we would be wise people that watch what we say and think and how we deal with people. That God, maybe from that, we start to realize there's power in our words and power in our actions to bring healing and wholeness to people's lives. In the middle of work, maybe we, 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 we hear somebody walking through and we say, can we pray for you? Can, can I pray for you? Can, 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 I, can, I, can I buy you lunch and can we talk about it? That we would be life givers. Literally, as your word says in the New Testament, bearers of light to this world. God, that we would go and make much of you this week. And we would go and tweak the things 1% better, 1% better. Better today than I was yesterday, closer to you than I was yesterday. That God, my heart will want to line up with your word. And that God, lastly, we would do it in community. No man is an island. We weren't built to do life alone. And so God, you have put people in our lives that we would run together as a family unit for the gospel and for the kingdom to make a difference in our world. We thank you for that, God. Continue to build in us and instill in us good friendships, a strong place to serve you together. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. 